See this? This is my boomstick! got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. And Jack left town. All right, we are back again. If this is Slow Robot a Go-Go, show 301, I have to start off the show by saying, boy, sorry for show 300 being so flat. I listened to it, I was like, oh my god, what? Did I, did I take a sadness pill before that show? I couldn't have been more disinterested, and that's, I'm very sorry. Hopefully, you made it through that show, and you know, I've come back a little bit more rejuvenated been a long tiring week but that's okay when you turn on the the record button or you know when you hit when the red lights on it's time to go you know and that's the that's the motto of slow robot to go go the show dedicated to b through z grade movies all right i will say make sure you go and check out a facebook page uh you know slow robot to go go look it up I, I often put links to the shows and uh i also have a couple other facebook pages for other shows i do if you're interested maybe you're stuck in a long commute or you uh might be one of those cube farmers like, like I am, or living in a cube farm, I should say, then you, make sure you check out uh, some of my other shows. I have one called uh, uh, Saki Bama Gogo, which is a new one for uh, Radio St. Pete. I have a Facebook page that tells you what, I've been, what I'll be playing the week, coming weeks. And, uh, you know, that's the show that's like all uh, me and Promi talk about random stuff, and I play all kinds of like... Uh, like punk and garage and you know real real interesting Japanese and the Korean stuff, Asian punk and hardcore and stuff at its finest. And, uh, and then I also have the other, another one that that is an indie circuit or a Radio St. Pete exclusive. It's called the Indie Circuit, and that's where I just me and well kind of the same me and Promi talking, but then I, that's just playing all kind of independent music. It's all part of our Bogo. Hour of Power. That's the trademark name. On a Sunday night from 10 to midnight, if you want to listen to it live on Radio St. Pete. and uh, Or if not, you go to their audio archive and, you know, and uh, and click the link. I might start trying to see if I can hyperlink the show to, uh, you know, right directly to the Facebook page, too. That'd be easy for our listeners and you if you go check it out. Like the page, follow it. It would make my, it would give my ego a boost. Boy, does it need it. So anyway, what did I watch this week? This week was a lots. It was a good weekend. I had lots of movies, and that's always a good weekend to me. I started off with uh, Doctor No. I came home on a Friday, and I was kind of got into one of those, uh, you know, 007 moods. I have like the Blu-ray box set of all of them, so I I, I, I like the old ones. I'm quite fond of them. And I watched a show, a movie called. Uh, Killing Gunther, and this was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I'd never heard of it, but it was one of those that popped up on the streaming, and it was all about, like, all these hitmen were brought together as a team to kill the world's greatest hitman, which is Gunther, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, my God, I laughed so hard. I was pretty drunk, but it wasn't the, the booze that... I mean, it was a really funny movie. It was totally stupid and just uh, really made me laugh. And I watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy... Uh, I think I watched one and two. Maybe No, I think I just watched one last weekend. So that's right. The first Guardians of the Galaxy. You might notice over the past couple of months, I've watched those quite a bit. I've become quite fond of those. They're very funny and uh, they're, they're enjoyable watch. Then I watched a documentary called uh, 80s Blockbusters, When Hollywood Played Tough. And that was all about the movies that 
I will admit, and I've admitted on the show quite often, that I really shaped my view of what manhood was and what it, to be a cool guy was, because that was the era of Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Van Damme, who I famously watched every Van Damme movie in chronological order uh, a couple years ago, and that was a great time. I mean, it took me a couple months to do it, because some of them were pretty obscure, but so I, I'm the world record holder of the person that's the only person that's ever seen every John Claude Van Damme movie in chronological order. So bookmark that. All right, then this is where uh, this is where I will say this sh- this next block has shaped what I chose for this week, and you'll see what I'm talking about when I go through this. Then launch what we're going to be talking about this week. I fell into one of those. Uh, like those uh, downward spirals of you watch one thing and they're like, well, if you like that, you'll probably like this. And you click OK and you watch that. Well, while you're here, you might as well click this. And you and you keep kind of going down the rabbit hole of what Netflix or or, or, or maybe it was Prime, Amazon Prime streaming. I can't remember which one this was. Thinks you should watch next. And it's always a good idea because it's kind of like the same thing. And you're like, oh, OK, whatever. So I watched a documentary called That Guy Who Was In That Thing. Now, this was an this this was an incredible documentary because it was all character actors. When you see if you watch this movie, that guy that was in that thing, you will recognize every one of these actors, but you won't remember why you recognize them, and you don't remember what you see them in, and that's their whole shtick. These are character actors that you that have, that are in hundreds of movies, but it doesn't matter because you you don't remember them they're not the they're not the marquee players and they talked a lot about the reality of hollywood the reality of being one of these guys an actor you know there was a guy uh, who was on this show many years ago uh, a speedo man who had you know has since gone on to pursue an acting career you know and he and i was you know we we left our place of employment that we shared together a year ago they decided that it would be better to make the product in India, and good luck with that. But he left. You know, he was he was one of the people that got uh, you know let go as as was I, and he went on to just say, well, I'm going to just dedicate my life to acting, you know. And he and he was going to these workshops and he was doing the improv stuff. Now, w- whether he hits or not, I don't know. Whether he gets into some movies, I don't know. Like I think he has a probably good a good chance, but. Who knows, you know? And that, and they were talking a lot about what the reality is. They're not, you're not a millionaire when you're on TV or when you're on these, like a movie, you know? You're just a bet character. And yes, you do get some money, but feast and famine, you know, it's just so. It was very intriguing and very interesting to see that angle and hear them talk about that. Because I don't know your opinion of it or your how you feel about it, but when I when I look at actors and actresses, I think, well, they're probably millionaires. You know, they're probably so rich. And not so much. I mean, you know, paychecks are going down because there's so much, so many people that will just step right into that role. And uh, you know, in the re- and and there's people taking money out automatically. You got agents and you got, uh, you know, everything. SAG card and insurance and blah blah blah. You know, and and uh, PR people. So it's just the machine is. When you hear about the reality of of the situation, you know you go, oh wow, that's really something, you know. And then, uh, then of course after that one, then it was like that gal in that thing. I was like, okay, here we go. So then this is the 
it was like six or seven women that were talking about it, and they were talking about the difference, like the same thing with their character actresses, but they were like the women, how, how it's kind of different because women, it's a different experience, you know, that's all I can say about it, I, I don't know, but it was like uh, one of them was the, 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 the director from uh, Criminal Minds was in there, and uh, some other people, and, and you know, and again, you know them, but you're like, okay, you know, uh, and then after that one, and that was the same thing, that one didn't add a whole lot to it, so I was, wasn't was as interested, but it was kind of the same thing, except then from a woman's perspective. Uh, then I watched The Hollywood Complex, which was uh, basically watching these little kids and these families with these pipe dreams taking their kids to be little star actors and actresses, and, oh, that was depressing. Uh, you know, I... Anytime, it's just like anytime I watch that kind of stuff where their parents are pushing their kids and doing these things, and, and you go, I don't know. And like, like those little, remember those little kid pageants uh, made famous by the murder of Jean Benet Ramsey? And the whole thing is, you're like, oh, I don't, this is, this is borderline disgusting, you know. Uh, but that's just my opinion, uh, you know. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, 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 to me, it always seems weird. Uh, you know, you watch some of those, ho- like these kids, and it's like it's like this. It's almost like sometimes it looks like it's the sexualization of kids, and you're like, "This is gross! Don't don't do this! This is terrible!" You know. Uh, but again, whatever. <laughs> That's just one man's opinion. Um, then I watched this one. This one should have been one of our sh- sh- a movie for our show. I watched a movie called Revenge Quest from 1995. Now, this breaks away from those, the documentary Spiral of Madness I was in. Uh, you know, this movie was so bad. There was there was three people in it. And I was like, wait, what? Because I went on, you know, I went on IMDb, and you're like, okay, whoa, is it, was, did I even watch a movie? I don't even know. You know, and, it, and there was like three people, you know, in this movie that did one thing each this movie and it was it was so bad and so weird it was it, it was it was from 1995 and like kind of what got me interested in it is because you're watching it in the first scene you know you see like that 90s furniture and if you any if you've lived through the 90s uh, you know i was just moved down to florida and we were in our own little you know little apartments and stuff so yeah we had a futon and we had that crap made of that metal tubing you know and and everyone thought that was so cool back then you know and and you see that in the in this person's apartment because obviously this was filmed in like where they work their apartment the street you know and you go oh i remember that that was such a terrible time in history and you know and that's when this was it was supposedly set in the year 2031 after you know after the crazy and there's a fictitious like prison on Mars, and the whole thing was like this prisoner escaped from Mars, and it was like, oh, oh my god, okay, whatever, you know, it, it was truly a true B-movie, you know, it was just, it was so bad and just so funny, I mean, it made, it was like to that point where you laugh at it, you know, perfect drink beer and laugh at a movie, kind of a movie. Alright, then I watched uh, Gaming, The Digital Revolution, and that was a uh, uh, that was a documentary about video games, um, like professional video game playing and 
some of that stuff. And, you know, that's an intriguing world. It's growing quite large. You know, like the they were showing these auditoriums filled with people watching these uh, online gamers. And you're like, what? Wow. Uh, what, a, what a weird w- world we live in. But it is interesting. I, I, you know, I, I like gaming. I don't game as much as I think I do. I'll put it that way. I have a lot of systems and I have a lot of games. I'm always out there looking for used games and picking stuff up. But uh, I don't, I mean, weekly, during the week, I don't spend a lot of money, a lot of time gaming. If anything, I'm playing some dumb sumsum game on my phone. And I know technically that's gaming, but whatever. And then the last one was another, you know, see, I went down the rabbit hole again and I went to uh, Stream Dream. And that was talking about how video games are kind of competing and taking over. They're fighting for people's free time. That's what TV is. That's what movies and radio. And, you know, streaming games is kind of winning that battle because when you, when you watch people, they're, they're you know, sitting there playing a game on their phone and they're, they're kind of talking about how momentous it was when they started getting the 30 and 40-something married women, you know, sitting on the Tokyo trains. They're not looking up or, or doing anything. They're playing, you know, uh, Candy Crush or or one of those stupid Bejeweled games that there's just clone after clone after clone, or some some, which is just dumbness. You know, so there's no substance, but they, they take that, and then they the little microtransactions, like when you're like, oh, well, I gotta buy more, you know, jewels so I can play as a unicorn, and then people do that, and it costs you whatever, a buck or something like that. But there's a billion people doing it, so they're so rich, and it was all talking about that. It was very interesting, because you know, I never really thought of uh, the gaming industry as being like, well, thank God we're finally, you know, chiseling into people's free time. Like, time is the real measure of if they're winning. And I was like, I don't think that's right, but it, it's it must be. They know their they know their world better than I do. All right, we're gonna take a trip. That was it. So uh, I've, I will start working on a on a momentous list for next week. I can't promise it's gonna be this long though. I had a lot of I had a really wonderful just day of nothing in there. I literally, like, Sunday, I just kind of got up, and I wasn't really hungover, but I wasn't really not hungover, so I just kind of sat on the couch and, you know, sit back and watch your ass grow kind of a day, watch some, uh, watch tons of crazy movies. It was a real fun day. All right, trailer break, and then when we come back, I picked a movie with a very long title, but you'll see where the madness comes, and you'll see why I picked it. All right, we'll be right back. This place is an untapped resource. I mean, check it out. These vocal jazz girls are hot. She's a swinger, a zinger, a stinger. Pam Greer, that foxy brown coffee gal, is Sheba Baby. You better talk before I put my number one foot down your number one mouth. Meet the queen of the private eyes. She's black, stacked, and packing trouble. Be cool and put that gun down. The heat's on in the street for that big bad mama, but she's doing the cooking, and any cat in her way is gonna get fried. Slammin' Pam. Giving the gun brothers the frizzies, and their boss man the tizzies. No, please, don't kill me. Sheba Baby. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. If you want to know the truth, see Shantytown Honeymoon. See the strange and seamy side of mountain life, where they love by the rule of a shotgun. Harlan's out for the still. 
come on, we got all afternoon. Shantytown Honeymoon. Torn from the land of child brides and steam heat shanties, wild women, white lightning, and hard mountain men. Shantytown Honeymoon. Their kind of kinship means anything goes and the kind of love that doesn't wait on ceremony. Anybody as good looking as you just gotta be itching for action. Meet Reba Sue, a young girl sold into wedded slavery to pay her father's debts. No, Daddy, please don't make me marry up with that smelly old man. Shantytown Honeymoon. It still happens today. If you're old enough to be married, you must see it. If you're not old enough to be married, you cannot see it. Shantytown Honeymoon. New in color. Admission restrict. Nothing is worse than having an itch you can never scratch. Trapped. 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 <laughs> They're traps in a whirlpool of shrieking fear from the most fiendish idea ever conceived by the human brain. The Brainiac. Ameth has a friend. She was beautiful, desirable, and not altogether human. The curse of the crying women. Together, they will trap you in a world of form. But if you live through it, you will never forget. The Brainiac and the Curse of the Crying Women. Hey, hey, it's your old pal Krusty for my new pork sandwich, The Clogger. If you can find a greasier sandwich, you're in Mexico! <laughs> and remember, kids, if you can find a greasier sandwich, you're in Mexico. Oh, the Simpsons, they're so much, they're so fun. I love it. Um, so, now, on to this week's show. As I was watching those documentaries that talked about the, uh, <clears throat> about the actors and actresses and what they really make, kind of, kind of stuff, well, one of them that came up was Lost and Found... A True Hollywood Story of Silver Screen Cinema Pictures International. And I said, hmm, okay. So I watched the, uh, so I kind of looked it up, and it was from 2017. I was like, okay, this is really weird. And the, the summary of this movie, uh, to quote the internet, because everyone quotes the internet, oh my God, is, in 1984, a massive fire destroyed an entire 17-year output of an exploitation movie studio. But the recent discovery of 11 lost trailers shed light on the disrespected, long-forgotten B-movie factory and the mogul at its center. And I said, hmm, okay, this is interesting. I wonder what, you know, I kind of wonder what this is about. So, you know, then I started watching this movie. And as, it was an interesting story because it was talking about how a fire destroyed everything. But they found one person's pile, you know, one person's thing, you know, and uh, and then I was like, oh wait a minute, you know. Then once they started playing the trailers, you said, oh, this is a spoof movie. But you know, these are prints and, and negatives were destroyed, and the the big the angle was, did the did the the B movie director like do it on purpose or did he not? And then, you know, he, he at one point he walked off indignantly as... This was shot as a documentary. And then they put in each... As they talked about this grindhouse or this exploitation place, they showed the trailer 
and then they put in some different different kind of uh, uh, you know clips from the director or clips from a guy who was supposedly the editor that was like oh he was a real he was a real asshole they were cheap everything was cheap you know and that's when you're like oh no this is like a fake movie this is a, like this is one of those movies that's this isn't a real story and these aren't real trailers now at first I was like oh, I don't know about that because those are usually terrible. Anytime you see like, oh, this is a wacky spoof of the 50s sci-fi movies and you watch and you're like, oh, this is horrible. Because like when we do that now, and I get it, a lot of times it's that wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, this is so funny. And they're winking at the camera and, you know, everything's real spoofy and stupid. To me, anyway, and I, you know, and some people love those, I'm sure. But to me, the funny parts about those isn't that they're hilariously inept. They're charming because these guys, they were making movies. This this is a real movie. It looks like crap because they didn't have computers doing crap. They didn't have microphones that could pick up correct sounds. Like, it, they were struggling to make what they wanted to make. So, to me, when you watch those B-movies from the 50s and 60s, a lot of stuff's wrong, but so what? And it was, they were quaint and cool and funny and quirky. Some of them were nuts because they, they're so far away from the... The, the the morals and ethics and sentiment of our country now that when you see that golly jeeper you know what 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 would the, what would the president think you know it's it's hilarious you know but that's a, a time capsule kind of thing now you know when you see them from the modern era they're just so i don't know like snarky and funny and winking and oh ha, ha, look at me i'm a big jerk so I don't usually enjoy those. I'll watch it. I try to watch them from time to time, and I'm like yuck town, and I turn it off. This one, however, um, was actually pretty funny, and I and I found myself laughing at it because it was kind of done well. It was, and and I think part of it was because they were showing trailers. So it was like a minute and a half trailer. And then they would talk about the movie a little bit and say, oh my God, that was so crazy because everyone was on coke and blah, blah, blah. You know, so that was what made this kind of work better. You know, and it, and it did work. It was funny. You could tell these were modern uh, trailers that they just filmed. But it, that didn't matter so much because uh, the other thing it did was it, it evoked, like, when you, each trailer that they showed was from a very specific genre, you know. So that was their way of kind of running the gambit of gambit, gambit. I don't care, gambit of all the all the kind of black exploitation, exploitation, sex exploitation genres that B movies, B movie studios kind of live in, you know. So like, the first one that you saw was Alien Acid Beach Baby, uh, Beach Babies, Beach Bash, Alien Acid Beach Bash. So, rightfully so, they kind of said, oh, this guy that, that started this, this um, studio, well, he, he got invited, he owned a tire place, and, and, a, and a, a Hollywood producer was coming through and said, and just flippantly said, why don't you show up on the, on the thing? And the guy was a very brash, like, Texan character, said, and he showed up there, and then he said, well... He's stumbling around and he liked looking at the women. So then he was like, "Well, I can do this." So then he just started his own movie theater, our movie studio, which 
is hilarious, but you, I've heard of dumber stuff. You know, the guy that made uh, ha- Manos Hands of Fate was some fertilizer salesman who had a camera and just did it on a bed or something like that. You know, and then you can see that because it's so inept. So the first one, they like they kind of said, oh well, he w- this guy was making this beach party movie, but by the time he got finished with it, well, they, you know, they, it was already on to the aliens, like the the space sci-fi stuff was big from the 50s. So. He said they just kind of melded it together, and and it was funny, you know. And they, the clip was of you know, of course, the beach party, you know, beach party bash, and then a guy showed up with a monkey head and a and an alien suit, so it was very much like a robot monster. So that was really funny, you know. And then they then they went on to the next trailer was Trixie's Last Chance Two, and that was like a a, a sexploitation woman's woman karate like cop thing you know she was a cop by day and then a prostitute at night that was would beat people up and stuff you know so it it was like of that that total grindhouse feel of those weird like women in prison women cop movies you know um and I don't really like that genre much so I don't I I I laughed a little bit but I was like eh no you know I like the Japanese like the Lady Snowblood and 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 the you know Sex and Fury, I like those, but they have a different feel to them. Those are much more violent, you know. Uh, then the next one was Macmillan and Briggs, and Macmillan and Briggs was basically a Starsky and Hutch ripoff. And like the whole shtick with that one was that like they didn't have enough footage, so in the middle the black guy turned into a white guy, and they just put a wig on him for like 17 minutes of footage, you know. And it, and it was totally like a Starsky and Hutch with a little bit of a flavor for the, um, like, because also at that time in the 70s, uh, you know, Dirty Harry was big. So they kind of, he kind of said, well, this guy, you know, he made, he took, you know, Starsky and Hutch and then gave it a little bit of like the, the really violent, uh, you know, Dirty Harry stuff and he was trying to do it, you know, trying to sell it. Uh, and then the next one was Satan's Concubine. And this is where they said, okay, well, what happened was, the 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 guy, this guy, got in with um with a person that edits movies, or a person that like showed movies to executives. So when he would hear about a, a, a when he would hear of a movie coming out in in like two months, he would race to make it, and he would start getting the movies to these small towns faster into the into the drive-ins and stuff. So his his theory was, you know, and this is where it kind of changed gears a little bit. So you know, Satan's concubine is was a he saw that The Exorcist was coming out, so he made this movie, you know, and then got it to the theaters first. So Satan's concubine got there first, then The Exodus got the you know, Exorcist got there second, and uh, and it was pretty funny, you know. And that was one of those things where you're like, okay, you know, you, you can see. Um, you hear about, and you do hear about that kind of, some of that weird stuff, like where, you know, Sharknado comes out, before, or the trans, trans, not Transformers, Transmogrifiers or something. It was, there was someone that was, there was one I remember seeing it, because I saw it in a Blockbuster. I was at a Blockbuster way back when those were a thing. And I saw this happen, where a mother went in, and she wanted, the kid wanted Transformers. The first Transformers, Michael Bay, Big Explosions with Robots movie. And there was a one of the knockoff called trans transfigures or transmogrifiers or something like that. But the 
it looked like it. And she, the mom picked it up and took that out. And I was like, oh, that kid's going to have a bad weekend. Uh, it made me laugh because I know she didn't know any different. They looked the same. They were, there was like two letters difference. You know, I forget what the real name it was. So I know in the video business, and even up to this day, that happens quite a bit. Uh, you know, it's a stretch for this reality, but it's they're building it, so it was kind of funny. Um, then what was the next one? Then it was uh, Grandmaster Brown. And this one was one... Uh, this was one where they he, supposedly the guy took a... A, a guy was sending around a, um, a martial arts-like demo reel, so he would get picked up for some of the martial arts movies. And it was very reminiscent of like that uh, the one where the current guy played Doc Black Dynamite, where he was he like knock he hit himself or tried to do a flip and landed on his face. I don't know, but anyway, this guy picked up this he he bought the he took the tape and then made it a movie and then kind of shot it with it with did some extra footage with the Grandmaster Brown. And this one made me laugh because they they changed the name from something else, but the voiceover was supposedly every time they showed the movie it was like, yeah, you're messing with Grandmaster Brown. It was something like The Simpsons would have made fun of and done on their show, you know. So, uh, it was funny because the kicks were totally missing and they wouldn't change angles and stuff like that. So the ineptitude of of that really popped out and they really went all went for it with how bad it was. Um, which I don't. I've I've watched a lot of uh, kung fu movies, and sometimes you see the misses, but not usually that bad. But I mean, they were trying to, you know, for comic effect, you know. All right, we're gonna take a trailer break, and then when I come back, we'll go through the rest of the two, four, like six more trailers. Can you believe how many trailers they found? It's amazing, and wow. But anyway, it's uh. So far, it's been a lot of fun. Let's see if they can continue the trailers hitting. And one of the things I will say, and this is what I like about anthologies, so what I like about a lot of this stuff, with this type of thing, or, or like, you know, Kentucky Fried Movie, if you don't particularly like one segment, it doesn't matter. It's over in a couple of minutes, and then there you go. You're off to your next one. All right, here's some trailer breaks, and then we're off to our next one, in case you didn't particularly like that one. You liked it, you know it. You know, there's like a buttload of gangs at this school... This one gang kept wanting me to join because I'm pretty good with the bow staff. Calling Dr. Lee. Dr. Lee wanted in the delivery room. These are the sounds from the delivery room and the soundtrack of The Miracle of Birth. It's frank, bold, daring when the motion picture camera invades the privacy of the delivery room to bring the actual birth of a baby plus a multiple birth by cesarean operation. All medical sequences are in natural color. These films will be shown with the sensational picture, Woman! A story of life. Nothing is held back. Nothing concealed. A dramatic thunderbolt that lifts the iron curtain of fear and ignorance, revealing the hush-hush facts of life in every detail. Is love a sin? Learn the answer by seeing Woman, a story of life, and The Miracle of Birth. There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. 
It's so scary. We dare you to see The Monsters Crash the Pajama Party, the first movie ever filmed in horror vision, Hollywood's latest miracle. You'll scream as fiendish movie monsters actually become alive, then crash right out of the screen, go into the audience, and carry screaming girls from their seats right back into the picture to become part of the movie. We warn you, horror vision is not 3D. The movie monsters become real flesh and blood. Be sure to see The Monsters Crash the Pajama Party in horror vision and color. Now I swear, the next one of you primates even touches me. Yeah! A love psycho goes berserk in women and bloody terror. Remember, you can only die once in night of bloody horror. Women and bloody terror and night of bloody horror. Two blood-chilling shockers on the same screen. Producers guarantee $2,000 cash to your family if you die of fright while watching Women and Bloody Terror and Night of Bloody Horror. Together, the pair everyone is talking about. Can you stand twice the shock? Women of Bloody Terror and Night of Bloody Horror. Don't go wrong. Do you think a woman should be educated? Definitely. But is it not a problem that a woman have a smaller brain than a man? That is wrong. But the government scientist, Dr. Yamak, have proved it is wrong. size of squirrel. Your government scientist? Uh, yeah, so Dr. Yamak. He's wrong. He's wrong. All right. So now we're back. Uh, yes. Good stuff. So after that, then it started getting into, uh, like, then it was... It was more of, like, then after, uh, like, the Grandmaster Brown, then it transitioned into, like, the 80s, which was where, you know, they were kind of talking about, like, oh, there was all the drugs, and, they, and then things were kind of rattling apart, and you didn't have any money, and they were kind of going crazy, you know. Um, and, and at one point, they did say that the, this, the this, there was a lot of controversy about this fire that started that wiped out the whole place and all the negatives, uh, because the speculation was he was embarrassed by how bad his movies were and he insured the heck out of it. Then um, he took the money from the fire and, and built a successful chicken um, restaurant chain. <laughs> uh, so they showed that and you're like, oh, you know, it, it was kind of funny. That part was funny. And that was the whole thing they were building the whole time was like, the did he or didn't he? Was it, did he really burn it down? And, and there was always the speculation. They were like, oh, you know, one person would say, well, these are really total crap. So yeah, of course he burned it down, and then one would come on, and they were like, "Of course he wouldn't. He he was too arrogant. He he thought everything was great, and, and he, from the amount of drugs he was doing, you know." So they they were playing that angle a lot, because then in the '80s they did like Big Guns, which was like you know an action movie knockoff, and then uh, Hell Camino was in there, which was just like a like a Christine knockoff with an El Camino that like murdered people. It was that one made me laugh. It, it, it was memorable because it was like almost like Death Race 2000, and and uh, you know, and and the car. I, I had started having thinking about like that movie, The Car, you know, uh, which which was very funny and of of its time, you know. Um, then there was one Star Home, uh, which was all about. It was they said, well, then Star Wars hit, and then Star Wars became. Everything was Star Wars, so this was Star Home, 
and that made me laugh only because of how many of those Italian Star Wars knockoffs I've watched over these years, and they're all so terrible, you know. Uh, there was some that have been pretty entertaining, like like Stella Star. I I liked that one a lot. Um, you know, th- there's been some that have been quaint. There's been most of them are just horrible. So of course this one was um, in the just horrible category, and that's when they're like, well, there was no special effects because they were all on like t- mounds of cocaine, and they kept on saying mountains and mountains of cocaine. I can't tell you how much cocaine they were on, you know. So that was that made it funny, and the Star Wars. The, you know, uh, my theory was has and has always been that you know, some of these movies, Star Wars and like the Terminator, they were making an honest to goodness good movie, but they didn't realize that this would be like the the cultural impact. Now, obviously, the Terminator doesn't have the cultural impact that Star Wars did. Star Wars, you know, basically shaped a few generations. Of, of what's cool and what's awesome and what you can dream of, you know. And I think at that point, you know, we were re- we needed something. You know, it was the late 70s, not a lot of going on except for wood paneling and keep on trucking and crap like that. So you have, you know, the Star Wars Star Wars hits and then people are like, oh my God, you know, think think of other cultures, think of other worlds, think of what could be. And it was just like a space opera and it was great, you know. And everyone from that era... Not everyone. Most everyone from that era thinks back with reverence of, of of Star Wars. But if you watch the original one, which I got a hold of the original one on VHS tape, the undoctored, the first run, you know, and I was like, oh man, when you watch that, it, it feels like a B movie. It looks like a B movie. They didn't have tons of money, and they didn't have computers making everything perfect. It was what it was, you know, and that's that's awesome. When you watch the first Terminator. They weren't, it, this wasn't a franchise, this was a Schwarzenegger pick that had a lot of heart, and, and you, when you watch it, you're like, oh my god, this is so awesome, you know. Then it became what it is, then it became a franchise, and everyone knows it, and ah, oh, still the vista, and all that stuff. The first one, you know, uh, it was just, uh, it was a kind of a cool sci-fi movie that you're like, man, this is cool, when I saw that, I was blown away, I loved that movie. When you watch it now, you're like, boy, they didn't know this was going to be what it was. That's for sure. All right, so after Star Home, then they ha- then they did like they did a, a horror movie that was called What the F is in the Shed. You know, you know, and the, I'm not going to curse. I mean, I do curse, but I was like, eh, I don't want to. Uh, so you know, it was What's in the Shed, and it, and it was basically like a murder slasher kind of thing. And then the next one they did was Asthma, which was supposed to be that studio's version of Freddy Krueger or Jason, you know. So Asthma was just this big guy who breathed, who was breathing funny, and he, like, I don't know. They were going to call it Breathless, but then they didn't because that was a movie, and he didn't know it was a movie, so they just called it Asthma. Uh, so And then, then the last one they did was Red Phone to Russia, you know, just like a, whatever, I guess, spy knockoff kind of a thing. So... You know, and like I talked about a little bit in the beginning, these generally do not work. They're just not funny. You know, there's a couple examples that are funny, but for the most part, these spoofy movies that are pretending to be of a different era, and they're always in black and white, and they're always just shitty, you know, they rarely make you laugh, or they rarely make you think. Where this one, I don't know, it had a little bit of heart. It had, it was different. You know, it did enough of this cutting in with, 
talking about this guy's wacky character and who he was. You can see him. You you know, the movie, the history of movies and studios and these startups and these little places are filled with these guys that are in over their heads. You know, for every Roger Corman who knows how to do this, there's a whole lot of people that try it that have no concept of how or why they're in this business. And this was one of those, this movie is kind of pointing a little like I'm, I'm, you know, putting that under a microscope and saying, let's take a look at one of these wacky characters, caricatures, you know, of one of these guys. And it was, it, it was a, I think it was very well written. I thought it was very well acted. Each one of these had like different people in it, mostly. I mean, there was a couple of faces you saw more than once, but whatever, you know. In a stable of a B movie studio, you would see the same people. My God, that that Kaufman guy runs people into the ground if they're if they have boobs or whatever, you know, that's, uh, you know, uh, so it was, it was endearing. It was, these were all kind of funny enough that this worked. So, you know, in my, other than, I don't like how long the title is, but, eh, you know, that's such a minor little thing. I, I did want to reach out to the, to the person that, to Jason Bailey, the writer and the director, you know, uh, and he's, of course, he was in it. He was starring in it. I did. I was like hoping this could. This was an indie film, and I was kind of hoping I'd get a hold of him and maybe even just send him an email, kind of saying, "Here's some questions I, I would love for you to answer for our listeners." I couldn't get it done because I just couldn't. I couldn't reach out and tell if this is the right guy or not, and I wasn't gonna look like an idiot, you know. But boy, you know. So and it's out there streaming. Um, if you, if you find, if you find it out there or if you find the DVD, I don't even know if this is out on DVD. Uh, I should have looked that up before I started talking into the microphone. I'm going to say it isn't. I don't know. Maybe it is. I don't know. Whatever. I would, I would definitely say watch it. It's, it's a, you know, it's not too long. I want to say it's like, I think it's in the 90 minute range if that. Uh, Yep. No, 86 minutes. So, you know, it's, it's. It's an. It's not gonna like. It's not one that slogs along. It's. It moves pretty quick. It's very funny. Uh, they had some funny angles and some funny things that that were put in that made it kind of keep moving along. Because I think if you just watch trailers, you'd be like, ugh. You know, I've tried to watch those. Uh, you know, all all sci-fi movie trailers, and when they're one after the other, you're just like, oh my god, put me to sleep. Uh, so this one was not that for sure. The cut-ins and the interviews and the. The, the the interviews with the director himself being who he was smoky because he always had a cigar um it, it was it was it was very endearing and very charming so i would say you know on a, on a scale of one to ten this one for me actually gets like an eight maybe even an 8.5 that's pretty high you know i if you if you have any one of those streamings you know it's uh it's on amazon prime i did look up where i found this it's on amazon prime if you see Lost and Found, the true Hollywood story of Silver Screen Cinema Pictures International. I know, right? Uh, if you, so if you find that out there, if you see it out there, go ahead and do yourself a favor. You'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's a, it's a pretty tight 86 minutes, and you'll, you'll get some serious laughs if you're a movie buff. And if you're not a movie buff, I'm not sure why you're listening to a B-movie review show other than my melodic, dulcet tones. That's not true at all. All right, that's going to be it for this week. I know they're running a little bit shorter, but eh, what can I tell you? I'm not going to stretch it out for no reason. Uh, We'll see you next week, and I'll probably pick something a little bit different. I don't know, maybe something old, maybe something new. Probably borrowed and probably a little bit blue. All right, we'll see you next week. Sing us out of here, green slime. Green slime, woof. Sing us out of here, green slime.
Here on ESPN 8, The Ocho, bringing you the finest in seldom seen sports from around the globe since 1999. If it's almost a sport, we've got it here. Pour it on, Morris. Give it everything she's got. Yeah. <laughs> 